So I want to address the elephant in the room. Many of you may be wondering why we're, we're here instead of Canton. There's been a lot of speculation and false reports as to why I chose not to be there. I would like to set the record straight. It's not because how many times it took for me to be voted into the hall. It's about the mere fact that the sports writers are not in alignment with the mission and core values of the Hall of Fame. These writers disregarded the system, the criteria, and bylaws in which guys are inducted and ultimately the true meaning of the Hall of Fame and what it represents. I wanted to take a stand so the next guy coming after me will not have to go through what I and others have gone through. Whether it's three years or 45 years, you should get what you rightfully earned. It's not always a popular stance to go against the grain. However, in my heart, I know this is the right thing to do. They say that I'm making the wrong decision, but sometimes you gotta do what is deemed wrong or the wrong thing for the right reason. I greatly appreciate those that understand and support my decision. I hope it creates a dialogue that leads to change. I am here in Chattanooga with all of you because this is where it all started. And little did I know that this is where I will close this chapter. What the hell is that? What would you say you do here? It's Stone's Weekly Dose. Very hard to say my name correctly. You're like, Brian! Yeah, Brian! Yeah. What's your deal, man? Your midweek download destination. I like his style. It's a sort of casual elegance. I'm slaying lame and I'm exposing frauds. This is pathetic. This is embarrassing. Mic drop. Turn off the podcast. It's Stone's Weekly Dose. Note to self, don't lie, or die, for that matter. Welcome into the show, everybody. It is the Weekly Dose on its correct day, the midweek download destination for thousands in the Tennessee Valley, southeastern region all the way around, talking a lot of Chattanooga things today. Appreciate you guys finding the most listened to show in the city of Chattanooga. My name is Brian Stone. This is a Stone on Air podcast. August 8, 2018. So it is 8-8-18. This year has jumped up and ran off without me. You likely feel the same way. It is quite remarkable how as you get older, the older and older and older you get, the faster and faster and faster time seems to blaze right on by. It seems that, and I think a lot of people's perception is, is that when you have kids, that becomes even more, like even more rapid fire flying by. I wouldn't know. And um, as long as the plan lays out that I put in front of myself, I never will truly know. But uh, I can tell you just from this perspective, as a, uh, you know, a single white dude in America, time flies, period. <laughs> and I don't know if having kids makes it go even faster but if time is flying by quicker in your life because you have kids, then you must wake up, blink your eyes, and then go back to sleep at the end of the day. That must be how fast your day is going if it's going by quicker than mine. Welcome into the show. You can find it on any podcasting app. A lot of people listen through the SoundCloud online stream. Um, I suggest that you do download an app if you haven't done so already. A lot of people still don't really know how those work. I promise you, once you start to use a a podcasting app, you will quickly realize that it is something that you will wonder where it ever was. And you know, where have you been my whole life? This is free? You mean I can listen to quite literally hundreds of thousands, potentially millions of different things whenever I want, on demand, however I feel like it at any given time with no constraints of any kind? And if I do have commercials, I can fast forward through them or whatever. Yeah, that'll happen if you haven't done that already, and the chances are many of you have. Um, I would, I'd like to think that I could send you to the website to listen to the, uh, to the show, but the website idea has become one of the biggest um, failures I have had post-radio life. 
is getting my website um, uh, under control and getting it to where it needs to be, where I'd like it to be. It's a internet wasteland. I do not suggest you go to stoneonair.com. It hasn't been updated in forever, and it was already junk to begin with. So that is probably going to be a 2019 thing that I spend some time on uh, later on into next year because, as I just mentioned with the time thing, a lot of things going on here as we get towards the end of the year. Football season is about to be here, so I'm going to take some weekends off and be up in Nashville, kind of wind things down into the fall and slow things down towards the end of the year. I tend to get ramped up and get really, really busy and do shows and book a bunch of things all at the beginning of the year and into the middle of the year. And then by the time the dog days of summer roll around, which is right freaking now, I tend to start to thin out the calendar as uh, at least as the sample size of the last couple of years have been again, post radio life. And I say post radio life, like I don't work in radio now. <laughs> I still work in radio. I just mean from that disaster uh, over at Talk Radio 102.3 that ended around this time in 2016. Speaking of Talk Radio 102.3, coming up in today's show, let's lay out the uh, menu, if you will, real quick. On the front end here, I'm going to give you the latest on the CFC, Chattanooga Pro Soccer, Finley Stadium, where people are thinking what I'm thinking, some more, uh, I don't know, just I don't want to call it investigation because that's not what it's been. It's just poking around and reading as much as I can to try to figure out how people are thinking about this. I'm going to give you what I believe the latest is, not necessarily news reporting, just my thoughts on where they're at a week after what was the firestorm of the new league coming in or the new team from the new league coming in and all of that. Get that here in the first segment. In the second segment, the latest on Jeff Styles. When I said speaking of talk radio, that's what I meant. He was at a preliminary hearing on the on Tuesday the 7th. This show drops on Wednesday the 8th. So this is uh, probably in the papers or on a headline today as this show is becoming available. And I'm going to read some of the transcripts from the uh, court hearing from Chattanooga.com. And then I'm going to tell you what I think about what's going to happen to Jeff Styles. I have made jokes about it. I have I have had I've played and had fun at his expense on a couple of these podcasts over the last month and a half or however long it's been. I have spoken with his wife. I have spoken with people close to him. I have not. I have not spoken with Jeff personally because I did I sent him a text and just said don't bother sending anything back. I'm just giving you a heads up. I'm thinking about you and all these things. But I have talked to people close by and they understand me and I understand them. But I have not got right down to it seriously and and told you what I think is going to happen to Jeff as far as his involvement with media in this town going forward. And I'll tell you that along with those transcripts from the court hearing on Tuesday in the second segment of the show. In the final segment of the show, T.O. came to town, Terrell Owens. And I have some of you are rolling your eyes. Jesus Christ, dude. We got it. All right. Enough already. You've talked about it enough. Well, to a lot of us, this was a really big deal. Um, becoming a Hall of Famer in a professional sport in a, in the United States of America means you are on a very, very short list of some of the greatest in the history of the world. It is a really, really exclusive place to be. And to go the route that T.O. did is a very, very historical route. Now, is it, uh, is it a good route? Is it a preferred route? Do, do, do I agree with it? Do others agree with it? Those are all conversations and, and, and questions you can ask yourselves amongst a few beers at the bar, if you would like. I've got a few clips from some people post the ceremony this past weekend and their thoughts on it, some good, some bad, and a couple of clips from, uh, the, uh, from the ceremony over the weekend. I was there for almost all of it. I did leave early, I will admit, but um, I was there all day, like for several hours. So I was tired, and it was very long. Several people talked in advance. Um, I'll talk more about it in the final segment of the show. But I, I was honored. It was a joy to be, uh, to be in attendance for something like that because it's something that you often never think you'll get the opportunity to do, to be at a ceremony for a player you admired your whole life who is, is one of the finest in the history of the world of what they do. That's pretty exclusive stuff, and the way he did it is unprecedented and historical, and I think it's worth a preview and a review, and I'll do that in the third segment of the show. A couple topics I was going to go with this week before Styles went to court, and then a couple other things came up. 
Um, it has been 10 years since the financial meltdown, the housing bubble in 08 and 09. I want to get to a segment on that maybe next week. And I mentioned last week that this week I was going to do a social media cyber attacks, which ones are more susceptible to those kinds of attacks from Russia and otherwise. I'm still compiling that one together and figured because of this more local news this week, I would push that off to next week. And it's really not time sensitive. That's a real topic going forward. Both of those are real topics going forward that are interesting and worth looking at. It just doesn't have to be today. In the second segment, I also will touch on uh, Bobby Stone, who we lost uh, over the weekend as well. I did not have a personal relationship with him, but I will talk about that coming up here in a few minutes. And one other thing here before I get going, two other things. Rail and Hops Brewers Festival is coming to the Chattanooga Choo Choo Glen Miller Gardens in the you know in the side in the courtyard area where the uh, the the train cars are, and it is coming August twenty fifth. It'll be here before you know it. Hopefully by next week I'll have it nailed down. How many pairs of tickets I have? At least a couple. I don't know how many. This thing is a really quick put together thing trying to kind of be a supplement for what used to be the Southern Brewers Festival, which is usually that last Saturday of August. This is going to be over at the Choo Choo Rail and Hops. Railandhops.com. Check it out. It is a ticket buys you uh, admission, and then you drink the rest of the night. It's, it is more of a tasting, so you're not walking around with pints all night long. But it is you don't have to buy tokens or anything like that. Uh, headlining music that night, all local stuff will be Danimal Planet. So if for nothing else, you get some beers and Danimal Planet for an advance, $45. And uh, there you go. That's it. You, there's no more dollars that have to be spent once you get there. The old Southern Brewers Festival, you drop 30 35 and then you spent uh, who, however hell much after that. So I, this is not trying to be Southern Brewers Festival. It's just trying to keep the people who are used to uh, the craft beer final Saturday of August. Well, it's still going to happen, and I'll have more information on that into next week and have an opportunity for you guys to win tickets. And as I talked about a little bit last week, in the middle of the week, I didn't know it was going to go a whole week. I didn't drink beer, alcohol, anything. I didn't have a drink. I stayed sober for five straight days at the end of July and the beginning of August. That's a big deal. I'm not going to bore any of you guys with that right now. At the very tail end of the show, I'll talk about that more in depth and detail. So if you care, you'll still be here and you'll know. And if you don't and you get bored and you've checked out, then you don't have to waste your time listening to some of my you know, personal anecdotal stuff. All right, there we go. Let's get to the CFC. So we all know we've got a soccer club coming to town called Chattanooga Pro Soccer, I guess. And just to do a quick recap, you guys already know this, but just to make sure in case you you know stumbled on this for the first time. So the Chattanooga Pro Soccer team from the USL D3, which is a, a, a pro league on the, on the bottom rung of the pro leagues and one step above where our team CFC is, announced that they bought the rights for the Chattanooga franchise. Two prominent members of CFC, Bill Nuttall and Sean McDaniel, uh, resign the minute that news becomes public over the course of the next week or so. Speculation all over the place, and it's kind of where it sat and rested for the last week. Tim Kelly himself, chairman of the board of CFC, Kelly Cars, one of the instrumental uh, figures behind the Chattanooga Football Club, did text me and said that he was going to reach out to me soon to give me some more information off the record, just to give me an idea of where things are at with a little more clarity. Now, again, off the record means just that. Off the record, it'll just be between me and him. I have not talked to him yet. Lots has gone on in the last week. So just to get where we're at, Chloe Morrison from um, Nuga.com put out a good piece, kind of just overall blanketed summary the entire thing. And I got to tell you, too, the, uh, the Chattanoogan has been doing a lot of good work here recently for a long time it was a lot of fluff it's still a lot of fluff because that's kind of part of what they do but uh, chloe's been killing it over there at nougat.com so props there so i'm just going to highlight a little bit that i looked at I, again it's about five pages and a lot of it's stuff we already know but i highlighted a few things so again nougat.com with news of a professional soccer team coming to town it's unclear where the new club would play but the head of management group that operates finley stadium said he is looking forward to discussions about additional events there quote our calendar is busy but there is adequate capacity for new partners and events. Chris Thomas, the executive director of Public Markets, Inc., which manages Finley Stadium, said via email, quote, we are looking forward to meeting the Chattanooga Pro Soccer Team, learning more about their vision and welcoming them to Chattanooga. The Chattanooga Football Club currently plays at Finley Stadium and has a contract through the end of September. News of the pro team prompted discussion about whether the city would support two teams and where each club would play. 
Discussions about the Finley Stadium contracts haven't happened yet, but they will soon, Chris Thomas said. Quote, the news caught us by surprise, too. Chloe Morrison's piece from Nougat.com. Although some have suggested that both teams could use Finley Stadium, the club's new interim general manager, Sheldon Grizzle, said it's his understanding that the USL doesn't allow stadium sharing with teams in different leagues. We have heard a lot of rumors that discussions have happened between Finley and the USL group, but officials at Finley have told us that there is no contract in place, Sheldon Grizzle said. Sheldon Grizzle continues, Our primary concern is securing Finley as our home once again under reasonable contract terms for the foreseeable future. Okay, so that's all I have from uh, media reports and any kind of prepared uh topic show material here so now this is just me talking into this microphone to you the listener of this podcast and it is conjecture from here on out so keep that in mind do not forget underline in bold highlight it this is conjecture this is my opinion on matters and it might not be right i'm constantly wrong at things in life i'm one of the most flawed human beings you'll ever meet but I also pay attention to things, and sometimes I am right, and I am on to something. And here's what I think we've got going forward. Uh, the Chattanooga Pro Soccer Team League, whatever, the USL, D3, they are coming to town just like they say they are with all these reports and, and, and uh, press releases and social media handles being built. And they are going to play here in 2019, and they're going to play at, at, at Finley Stadium. They did not sign up to play professional soccer in Chattanooga, Tennessee without a place to play. That is my opinion. That I believe to be true. Now, everybody can deny all they want having any conversations or or prior knowledge of, of any situations, but here's the facts of the matter from the way I am looking at it from my perspective. The Chattanooga Football Club deal is up in September of this year, meaning like a, a month from now. That's not new news. I didn't know that going into this summer and into this season. I didn't have any reason to know that. You didn't know that. We didn't know that. There was no reason for us to know that. But everybody involved, the board members at CFC, the board members at Finley Stadium, the uh, the investors from outside the area, Utah, and the overall USL D3, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, ABC, XYZ, they all knew this. This is all information that was very easy for them to, to obtain and understand. You're trying to tell me that somehow a, a national franchise professional outfit decided to buy the rights for an area of, of, of small prominence on a small level of soccer interest in this budding, building kind of movement across this country right now and didn't at least handshake on a venue in which to play their games. If you're wanting me to believe that, you can just start talking about the oceanfront property in Arizona and all those dumb cliches. That's not true. I don't believe for a second that 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 hasn't happened in some kind of capacity. Bill Nuttall, former board member of the Chattanooga Football Club and instrumental in bringing the United States men and women's team here to Finley Stadium, he knew that the deal was up in September of this year. General Manager of CFC and board member of not only the Chattanooga Football Club, but also the NPSL itself, the league in which the CFC plays in. He knew that the deal was up in September 2018. Management of Finley Stadium, top to bottom, middle, left and right. They, every single one of them, knew that the deal was up in September of this year, 2018. As did Tim Kelly as did any other person involved with this league, you would be an absolute moron not doing your job to not understand the stipulations of the contracts. So you're wanting me to believe that it just so happens that 60 days from the time that the contract is up for negotiations and renewal, this new league just happens to come in and, oh, shucks, we don't really know where we're going to play. We're not sure. We're here. We love everybody. We love the CFC. We love Chattanooga. I couldn't tell you the difference between Rossville Boulevard and Rossville Avenue, but I'm here. I love everything. And all you know, shucks, we're just going to try to figure it out as we go. Bullshit. 
lies, liar, liar, pants on fire. Now, I'm not calling out one singular person because not one singular person has come out and said anything that I think is a bold-faced lie yet. But that idea, this concept, this perception that's trying to be pushed on us is that, oh, well, yeah, we don't know. I mean, we, we just find this a really good opportunity, and we're not really sure where we're going to play. Where are you going to play? Fort Oglethorpe? What, the, what, what readout soccer fields? Where, where are you going to play your professional soccer league, chumps? You're going to play at a Finley Stadium because you've already made your deal. You've already made your deal. Whether it's on paper, official, or you can, you can tap dance and, 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 and walk that off all the ways you want, but you have made a deal in some form or fashion or this wouldn't be a thing. What, the, the Udawa High School soccer field going to be your second choice? Give me a break. And so while I haven't found anybody lying red-handed yet, hand in the cookie jar, hadn't figured that out yet, as soon as I do, I promise you, I'll be talking about it. But this perception of, yeah, well, we're just here to play along. We're just trying to be part of the family and the, friend, and the community. And we're just, you know, we're just out here trying to be, shut up. Lie, lie, lie. You knew the deal was up. You knew you had the upper hand because you had people in your pockets that want to make money because all they see is dollar signs. They don't care anything about the brand of soccer. And I'm not saying you should care. I'm not saying that I care. I'm just saying these people involved, the people who have up and just resigned, the people who are making these backroom deals, they don't care about anything other than dollar signs. And again, is that bad? Is that wrong? I don't know. We can talk about that another time. But this spinning around that, oh, we're just trying to be part of the community. And we, you know, no, you're not. You don't know anything about this. An even bigger point here is that many people on the board of the stadium and decision makers of Finley Stadium knew that if they did this, there's no chance that Tim Kelly and his brass would even consider trying to play at Finley Stadium and sharing that house. Even if it was possible to occupy the same residency as this other team, they knew there is no chance that Tim and his guys would do that. There's that much of a rift there that they knew that it doesn't matter. We, it, it doesn't matter. We can, we can dance this all we want, and then in the end we can just say, well, you know, hey, we were just talking to everybody. We're just in the middle here. And is that wrong? Is that bad? I don't know. I actually probably don't think so. And I love that property and that stadium and that pavilion and, those, and all the people that do all that. My goodness, can I not say that enough? It's one of my favorite operating groups in, 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 the, in, the, in the city and do some of the best work in the city. But everybody combined here is just playing dumb, playing dumb. And that's one of the worst things about all this, too, is I, I, maybe worse than being lied to. And it's not worse, but sometimes it just feels extra, I, I don't know, insulting is when people play dumb. Oh, I don't really know. I mean, what is it called again? So uh, pro soccer. I'm not really sure. I mean, I, yeah, sure. I'd love to sit down and talk to them. If, you know, if they've got a minute or two, we can sit. I mean, we got a big schedule, right? We've got a full schedule. I'm not really sure, but I mean, we can talk about it. Give me a break. Cut it. Cut the uh, playing dumb nonsense. I'm not dumb and neither are you. Stop. But so as I continue with conjecture, and I'll wrap up this segment and get on to Jeff Styles' preliminary court hearing from yesterday and my more conjecture on what I think might happen to him and his future employment, I will just say that this is what I think happens. The Chattanooga Pro Soccer Team comes to town in 2019. They play at Finley Stadium on a multi-year deal. Whether it does well or not, that I'm not going to project because I don't know and at this point don't really care. Here's what I see the CFC doing. Again, I'm This is com- coming out of thin air and my uh, just digging around and reading and my understanding and knowledge of the people involved. Tim Kelly and the CFC brass get together with the lookout brass and get together with developers and city uh, legislators and, and planners and, and, and everybody needs to be involved in government and sit down and say, we need a multi-use stadium built on the south side like we've already talked about, and it needs a house both soccer and baseball. They do it in Nashville. The Nashville Sounds use their baseball field for AAA baseball and for uh, semi-pro or amateur level, similar uh, comparable league of soccer they build that stadium over on the south side in the next two to three four five years let's say we'll just for the sake of argument we'll say three to four years 
The CFC bounces around from different local field to different local field for the course of the next one to two seasons, barely hangs on because they're going to lose all kinds of money and revenue from uh, ticket sales, from alcohol sales, from merchandise sales. It's all going to tank because they're not going to have the vehicle that they've had for the last 10 years which they've built into such a successful machine. So they will lose there, but if they can cut in the right places and hang on just long enough till they open the new stadium for both the lookouts and the CFC in a stadium in a, in a feel and a fit and a size that's more, uh, that's more appropriate for the league of soccer that they play. And then maybe are able to hang on long enough and then boom, there you go. We've got ourselves a major success story of a minor league, amateur level, whatever you want to call it, promotion, relegation, soccer team. And we all happy ever after and all the hooligans do their thing and whatever. And then the pro soccer team continues to play at Finley Stadium and maybe they do well and maybe they don't. But that's what I believe is the only thing that can happen to, to equal both teams having success. And that's big and bold ideas, lots of money, and a lot of hoping. A lot of wishing and hoping. And um, this is this is this is a pretty crappy situation overall, and it's really kind of dumb. And I'm not hoping that people lose because competition is good, and I'm not I don't have one I'm pulling for and one that I'm not. In a perfect world, everybody wins, and there you go. But sorry, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we do not live in a perfect world, but I didn't need to do this podcast today to tell you that. Coming up next, I'm going to tell you about Jeff Styles' day in court on Tuesday the 7th and what I think, as the, the idea of conjecture continues into the next segment, what might happen to him and his employment going forward. This is the Weekly Dose for August 8th, 2018, 8-8-18. It's the Stone on Air podcast. My name is Brian, and I'll be right back. Make sure you get another copy of that memo. All I ever think about is money and how to get my hands on some. Be the milk and I'll be the honey. It's free to melt beneath the sun. This is a band called Kerchief. All I ever knew is that I want a local Chattanooga band, more specifically originally from Cleveland, Tennessee. Going to be at JJ's this weekend along with Taco Mouth out of Nashville. So if you need me, that's where you'll find me. Such a good song. It's called Milk and Honey. I'm going to let it play for a minute. Usually try to get creative and come up with a song that goes along with what I'm talking about. Ah, screw that. Let's play some local kerchief. like tonight is my only proof that I'm doing anything right. Of course, Taco Mouth from Nashville, the two members, guitar player and drummers, basically the uh, rhythm section are the former Dead Dead's rhythm section and now with the former Lords of Acid lead singer from way back in the day have now created Taco Mouth. And hey, there my light just came back on. I didn't mention at the end of last segment, I'm sitting down here in the garage i'm actually going to move this whole get up into the downstairs office i think sometime soon and the lights just go off <laughs> a fuse view fuse blue uh not to all this thank god or it would have killed everything i was doing it just blew where the uh the light was and then it just came back on so i was sitting here in the damn dark thinking what else can go wrong around here and uh so there you go now i have light cool all right so let's see. What are we going to do this segment? The uh, Jeff Styles thing. He was in court yesterday. Real quick, though, first, before I do that, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention it at all, certainly. Um, Bobby Stone, a guy locally who um, has been around here forever. I think he's a Chattanooga born and bred guy. He ran, he ran with the crowd 
of the clique of Jeff Styles and David Lang and um, you know Dale Deason back in the day and Scott Chase back in the day. These are all guys in their mid-50s or later who were very prominent in the media industry and businesses around here in the 80s and 90s, especially when it was a booming industry. And Bobby uh, was a co-founder of Atomic Films, which does video production, I believe is still in business uh, and doing things these days. I don't know that to be entirely fact, but Dave Lang, Mr. Chicago, he is still involved with that. And these are names that if you listen to the talk station back in the day, then you know who I'm talking about. And if you don't know these names, and I'm not going to spend much time on this, so don't worry about it. But Bobby was uh, instrumental in a lot of things in town, the most... Recent thing that you would recognize him from is from the situation with the mayor and his ex-wife and all those things back in 2016 in the spring, which is no reason to go into that right now. But he passed away over the weekend, suddenly and tragically. And it's been kind of a run of bad news around here recently and stuff like that. And it's kind of so anything you had going on in your life that it might have been affecting you or irritating you or you having an issue with and you were real close with Bobby. Well, clearly those things have taken a back seat because of that. So my um, my good vibes, I'll put that out there. It's sure as hell not my thoughts and prayers, but my good vibes are out there for friends and family of Bobby Stone. One of Bobby Stone's very good friends and such a good friend you could consider him family as well is Jeff Styles. That's how I know Bobby was through Jeff. And uh, so Jeff was in court yesterday. So this is coming down on a Wednesday the 8th, this podcast, this preliminary court hearing was on August 7th. And let's see, we'll start with Times Free Press. Judge sends radio host Jeff Stiles vandalism assault charges to the grand jury. Following a preliminary hearing Tuesday in General Sessions Court, Judge Gary Starnes found probable cause for Jeff Stiles vandalism and aggravated assault charges and sent them on to the next stage of the criminal justice process. If a grand jury returns an indictment, Stiles' case will continue on to Hamlet County criminal court where attorneys will either work toward a settlement dismissal or trial in connection with the june 15th incident which we are all mostly familiar with the tomahawk and the road rage and all those things so the chattanoogan.com put out a pretty detailed account of the um of the hearing on tuesday i figured i'd go through some of it here for a minute and then give you my opinion of what i think is going to happen to jeff uh through all of this and it's changed a little bit from where I was at the beginning. I, I mean, I love Jeff to death. You all know that anybody who knows me knows that this is just real talk. Me, uh, you know, just out loud into a microphone here of what I think might happen with Jeff. So this is from the Chattanooga and attorney Lee Davis said styles was acting in self-defense because he feared the other man was about to shoot him when the light turned green. However, general sessions court judge Gary Starn said he found no way that self-defense could apply in behalf of Styles, He said, quote, you said you went redneck, but why would you do that? When you go after a man with a gun with a tomahawk, you're going to get shot. The other dude involved here, his name is Nick Bullington. Nick Bullington. So when you hear Bullington in this story going forward, that's who I'm talking about. The two combatants gave widely different versions at the preliminary Hearing. So we'll start with Bullington. He said that he left work at Lazy Boy in Dalton, excuse me, in Dayton, and was on his way to Chattanooga State. He said there were two vehicles in front of him where Styles squeezed in just ahead of him and just behind the other two cars. Bullington said Styles then brake checked me and then, quote, he tried to get me to pull over on the side of the road to fight him. Bullington said he found himself just behind Styles at a red light at Grub Road. He said Styles then saw him, quote, threw it in reverse and pulls to my right front bumper. Then he got out and waved a hatchet at me. He said that is when he pulled a 9mm handgun from his glove compartment and put it in his lap. He said that the other driver, Styles, came to the side of his vehicle and began striking his truck in the side with the hatchet. That's when he fired. Bullington said that he had been talking to his girlfriend, this is important, the entire time that this was happening. Uh, Bluetooth, handheld, who knows. Bullington denied provoking Styles. He said, quote, I was just minding my own business. Under cross-examination, Bullington agreed he does not have a gun carry permit. That's not going to go over well in a, um, in a trial, but that doesn't mean that he's in the wrong necessarily by any stretch. Items in Jeff Styles' vehicle included a military-style tomahawk, three loaded handguns. Jesus, Jeff, three loaded handguns? 
and a machete. He said some of these items were part of a wilderness survival kit, and that's not BS. Jeff lives this kind of conspiratorial life at times, thinking that you might get stuck in the woods or it might snow and ice over and you got to live off the land for, you know, three weeks or something. He actually believes that. Uh, so that, you know, machetes and tomahawks, that doesn't surprise me, but three loaded handguns. Jesus, Jeff. Styles said he had been on his way to Riverbend, where he was due to introduce a couple of bands he had booked. He said he was going down Highway 111 when traffic slowed and a vehicle, quote, came screaming up behind him. He must have been going 95 or 100 miles an hour. Styles said he gestured toward the man to please get back, quote unquote, and the other driver, Bullington, responded by flipping me a bird. Styles said he worked his way to the right lane, but the man, quote, stayed on his tail no matter where I went or what I did. At one point, he said the man was no longer just behind him. Then he saw he was beside him, forcing him off the road. He said the driver was brandishing a gun. Styles said, quote, I was quite frightened. I was very nervous. He said he was able to get off the Highway 153 exit and decided to turn there instead of continuing straight on to Riverbend. He said he looked back and spotted the same truck on Highway 153 eight or nine vehicles back. Then he said the truck had worked itself directly behind him at the red light. Styles, who said he had taken Adderall medication that morning, said, quote, believed in every fiber of my body that as soon as the light turned green, the man was going to pull beside and shoot him. He said he had chose not to arm himself with one of the guns. He said, quote, I can hit what I shoot. But he said that that would have left another man dead, himself charged with murder, and he would have been immediately been fired from his longtime job at WGOW. I'll reserve commentary at this point. Styles denied that he blacked out when he said he meant by going red, not in road rage, but in redneck mode. I'm a, quote, I'm a southern male, Jeff said. He said, quote, I think God guided my hand to the perfect tool, the tomahawk. He noted he is 6'3 and 225 and said he wanted to present an imposing figure while wielding the unusual road weapon. He said it was, quote, a show of force to get him to get off my butt. I wanted to scare him off and defend myself. Prosecutor Rachel Owen asked, quote, so you bring a tomahawk to a gun party. Styles said that he had hoped to knock the gun away from the other man. He said, I followed my instincts, quote unquote. He testified, quote, he shot me like a dog. I did not think he would shoot me in the face. That was my only mistake. This is a good ending. The prosecutor said, quote, no, Mr. Styles, I think there were several mistakes. <laughs> That is certainly uh, a, a good one-liner there at the end. So obviously we have two stories here. I don't know which one is true. It's going to be very difficult for this to be proven as an act of self-defense. Here's what I think is going to happen to Jeff and his employment at Talk Radio 102.3, which is owned uh, nationally by Cumulus Media, Cumulus Radio. Two scenarios here. One is if he is charged with some kind of crime and if he is not. All right. So we'll start with, let's say he is charged with some kind of crime, whatever one of these sticks or even a settlement. If this is left up to corporate decision, cumulus America decision, the boardroom suit types that sit around and look at numbers and names and uh, and and throw those around over the over the course of a conference call or whatever some kind of web meeting. If it is left up to somebody like that, a blankless, faceless suit type, he's done. He's done at that radio station. He will not work there anymore. That is my opinion. Conjecture on my part. Again, that's the theme of this entire show. Conjecture. If this is left up to local types, shill types like. Scott Chase, like Kevin West, like Bill Lockhart to a certain degree. I do not have any idea who the market manager at the uh, local Cumulus company is, Talk Radio and Casey One of Sucks and Trash Icon and all that. I don't know who oversees all that. Uh, sales manager is Deanna Roberts, um, one of the top uh, sales executives who would have a lot of pull and a lot of things and, and just in conversational Andy Holder. All these people I just mentioned, most of which I like, take out two of them, or at least one anyway. If it's up to them, they are fools if they fire Jeff for anything short of murder or some kind of really heinous crime. Because the minute that Jeff Stiles is dismissed from that radio station, from that company, 
they have signed their demise as a long-term career for everybody there involved. Sure, they'll stick around and kick the can down the road for a little bit longer, and sure, they'll be able to figure out a way to dupe some people into buying advertising that does them absolutely no good just because they might get to be on the radio. And, yeah, they'll be able to somehow maybe you know sell Joyce and spread him, th- Brian Joyce, a little bit, and Sport Talk will still build a little bit over the next couple of years, but it's been limping down the last two years. The last two years has been limping down the road. And if you fire Jeff Styles and you move along and you move away from him, you have signed your death warrant. You have signed, sealed, and delivered the ends of your career. Not tomorrow, not next week, not even next month. But you better start looking around and you better get ready for a different line of work because you have just officially guaranteed that you're no longer going to have a long-term viable option with this chosen work and, and a profession that you've chosen, whether you're in programming, whether you're in sales, whether you're the front desk receptionist, whoever you are, the cleaning company, the cleaning people, whoever you are, your days are limited. They're already limited and they're already numbered, but it's even worse the minute you fire Jeff. If this is a corporate decision, he's out. If this is a local decision, they'll keep him. They won't fire him. They're too selfish, spineless, and cowards in working out for just themselves and nobody else. This isn't about saving Jeff. This is about saving them. Scott Chase doesn't care about Jeff Styles. Scott cares about Scott. And other management I've dealt with over there doesn't give a shit about Jeff or me or you or anybody else. They care about them. And they know that if they fire Jeff, that's bad for them. They don't care what it does or doesn't do for Jeff. Which brings me to where I where I kind of would hope things would go or hope in a, in a perfect world. In a, uh, in a scenario that's maybe not necessarily likely, but still possible, is that he does get let go from there. And that demises that company and that entire just trash outfit of a quote-unquote professional broadcasting uh, outfit. And Jeff gets to do things that I got to do a couple years ago. And over the course of the last year or so, when I had a lot of kind of tumultuous situations in my in my work positions... And it turned out that things got a lot better because I had to look around and realize what was out there that I didn't already know was there. Jeff's been doing the same thing for 25 to 30 years. He doesn't know anything else. So it's terrifying. It's horrifyingly scary. I get it. But he might get out there and realize, you know what? To hell with this stupid talk radio crap. There's so many options out here I never realized were there. He's not that old. He's 20 years older than me. He's, uh, he's 58 years old in September. So he's a little less. He's 19 and, a hand, and 10 months older than me. He's got options, I bet. I don't know what they are. But in a perfect world, he gets out there. He finds those options. He does other things. He prospers in it in the, in the last 10 to 15 years of his working life. He doesn't have to deal with those assholes at that radio station anymore. And selfishly on this end, I get to sit around and laugh and watch the flames go and watch the, the demise of the, the once bold and loud and proud talk monster watch the smoldering rubble while i go take a piss on it and yeah i am that guy don't ever call me just bitter guy i'm a lot of things i'm not just one thing yeah i cannot wait to watch that company just die an agonizingly slow painful death there are people there that work there that i love to death and i wish nothing but the best for them but that property and that company and that cluster can all go straight to you nowhere. And I can't wait. I cannot wait. And it's not because I need satisfaction. I'm over here just this impossibly bitter, uh, you know, just pissed off old guy. Because I'm not. I'm happy. Things are good. I'm good with stuff. I just like to see karma F somebody up. And that's what's going to happen to this company. So if it's corporate-based, he's gone. If it's locally-based, he's still there. Either way, they're circling the drain, going down the toilet bowl. But, uh, man, since, and it's not, I don't, I don't mean to say that this is about me because it's not. But since I was let go so unceremoniously, so absolutely disgustingly unfairly in June of 2016, it's been one thing after another that management has put out a fire. From, from firings to people leaving to people dying to, to uh, ratings tanking to uh, advertisers leaving to programming flushing. It has been one disastrous move 
after another. And it has been so much fun to watch. So I wish the best for Jeff. I'd love to have Jeff involved with me in the future and work in projects, video and audio editing, podcasting projects, have him a regular on the show, have a, a, a co-host with him, um, maybe set up some video kind of stuff. Oh, man, the, 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 the possibilities are endless. So as I said in that, you know, in that podcast that nobody understood because half the people that bitched and complained and screamed online didn't even listen to it. Fire Jeff. I dare you. Fire him. Do it now. What are you waiting for? Fire him. Fire him now. What are you waiting for? Do it. Because it's only going to benefit everybody else except for the assholes that fire him. And they're all going to be done. I better have a plan B. My name is Brian Stone. This is the Stone On Air Podcast. Going to put the wraps on the segment there. Coming up next, T.O. was in town. Yep, talking a bunch of Chattanooga stuff today. Hope that's okay with you. He was here for the Hall of Fame induction ceremony that in with conjunction with the University of Tennessee at Chattanooga just made it all about him. But then he kind of didn't. It was actually pretty awesome, as a matter of fact. And I'll document some of that with some differing opinions and a little bit of audio from the ceremony at the UTC Arena over the weekend. This is the Weekly Dose for August 8th, 2018, and I'll be right back. You guys know what they call the man or woman who graduates last in medical school? Doctor. Doctor. You know what they call the player who's inducted in the third time, the fourth time around to the Pro Football Hall of Fame? Hall of Fame. They call you a Hall of Famer. Suck it up and show up. That's really what it is. I mean, look, he's living down to his reputation, whereas he has a chance to, was it Dumb and Dumber, totally redeem himself. Mm -hmm. Right? Completely redeem. Just when I think (laughs) Daryl Owens couldn't do anything more egomaniacal than than tell us he could run the 4-4 or maybe we want to go play in football, then he totally redeemed himself and shows up in Canton and is gracious and is thoughtful and presents a speech that tells you just how troubled a, a life he had and how much he, football meant to him and how much it meant to him to play for historic franchises like the San Francisco 49ers and the Dallas Cowboys and what it was like to play in the Super Bowl for the Philadelphia Eagles. But instead, this is typical T.O. about as perfect song as you can come up with. It's the man from the Killers. I got news for you, baby. You're looking at the man. T.O. is most definitely the man. And I know some people might be like, enough about T.O., enough about T.O. No, no, not enough. Not enough about T.O. until this segment is done. So much fun over the weekend. The only thing I regret is I wish I got a media credential. I could have done it. All I had to do was request one. I would have got it. Um, Not that I would have got a lot of different access, but it would have been nice to be able to kind of peruse throughout the hallways of the uh, arena uh, before the event started. But I did go down early and soaked it all in and tried to figure out, you know, who was there from a national media standpoint. Not a lot, really. I thought there would be more. I'm I'm guessing that most the ESPNs and a lot of the the other kind of you know, fringe sporting like Yahoo Sports and things like that might have had some plug, you know, plugged in through the web or whatever through streaming. NFL Network was there, the only one that stuck out and did a lot of um, cut-ins and stuff live. But of course, their 24-hour coverage of NFL, so you would expect that from the NFL Network. Overall, it was fun. I mean, it was it was it was long. It was tiresome. That arena is awful. The roundhouse is just plain terrible. I mean, it is it is so echoey and so hard to understand anything in there, especially there's no basketball floor, there's no whatever else, uh, prop stage or whatever, and, and people everywhere that would soak up a lot of that sound. So it's just bouncing all over the place. There's a good 3,000 people there. It was a, it was a respectable showing. 
And uh, it just did last for a very long time. There's eight or nine speakers before he went on. Most of them bored me. Ex- not Maybe not bored me, but I was just kind of waiting for them to get over. Mac McCarthy, the basketball coach from uh, the mid-90s and late-90s and that Sweet 16 run and all those Southern Conference championships when I used to go to all those games as a kid and really loved that stuff, that was pretty awesome to watch him talk. But outside of that and then waiting for T.O., who just drug on and on and on, but that's fine. That's his moment. This is his thing. This is his day. And in the end, he did something that was really, even though it was one of those quote unquote selfless, except for it kind of wasn't deals. I'll get to that here at the very tail end of a bunch of uh, audio on run through here in the final segment of the show. So let's see, where will we start with this at? Let's just start with Stephen A. Smith. Hold on. Before we do that, a piece from um, one piece of audio from speech from T.O. I couldn't go through all of it. It would have taken me too long, but I did run across this gym, and I remember this one live. This was pretty awesome. Check it out. Love you, too, but I love me more. So, listen, it's love you, T.O. Love you, too, but I love me more. Love you, too, but I love me more. So good. So typical, T.O. Love you, too, but I love me more. This is Stephen A. Smith from ESPN. I think the show is called First Take. It's with Max Kellerman and uh, a couple other ladies. I, I don't know. I never watch it. But this is Stephen A. Smith talking about T.O. You perform, and you perform, and nobody can take that away from you. It's because if I go out there and perform, you can't deny me. You put, a, you, you put somebody else on the court or the field to play against me, and I smoked them. How can you deny that? You can't take that away from us. You can't sit up there and and, and politic and network and find a way to diminish our value, what our worth is and who we are. And what T.O. is saying is they found a way to do it to me anyway. They found a way to do it to me anyway. You know, I'm top three all-time in receptions. I'm top three all-time in touchdowns. I'm top six all-times in yards for receiving. And you still found a way to screw me over. How is that possible? And I've heard both sides from this from a variety of different angles. And I'm more and more on T.O.'s side. This guy was totally, I think in the end, totally screwed over by the writers and the, and the people involved with this because they didn't like him. The guy should have been in on the first ballot. Now, should you go to all this and make this be this petty about it? I'm not sure. I don't know. Would I have skipped the Canton, Ohio overall Hall of Fame weekend and celebration? Eh, probably not. Probably not. Unless I was like more like T.O., and then maybe I would. Max Kellerman on Terrell Owens. Yeah, I, and, and I think the meritocracy point's a good one because sports is scoreboard. Mm-hmm. Oh, you don't, like, you don't like the package I'm wrapped up in? You don't like my attitude? Scoreboard. And T.O. is there going, scoreboard. That says first ballot. Oh, now it's, your, it's as though, it's as though uh, at the end of a game you're winning by a couple touchdowns and the refs just say, eh, but we didn't like your attitude. We'll give it to the other team. I mean, it's hard to argue. It's hard to argue. You can say, well, yeah, be a man and suck it up and just quit worrying about it. You're the one who's being kind of a jerk all the time. But it's a hard argument to, 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 to make to say that T.O. was wrong. This is Terrell Owens at the ceremony over the weekend, and uh, the, the, the shout-out to uh, the, the this is for you to his mother. You saw something in me early, long before I came T.O., and long before I knew anything or inducted into the Hall of Fame. And when they ostracized me and tried to keep me from what I rightfully earned, not once, but twice. I remember the text. You texted me said, you ain't got to worry about nothing. You are always a Hall of Famer to me. But mama, you are the real Hall of Famer. This is for you. So many times in the, during the course of the long uh, speech at the induction ceremony, he really did get awfully selfless. And then sometimes he would be complete opposite of that. This is uh, Adam Shine of CBS Sports. can't believe I'm saying this, but the star of Hall of Fame weekend unequivocally was Terrell Owens. His speech was perfect and spot on. And doing it at his alma mater instead of Canton turned out to be a genius move for a variety of reasons. Everything Terrell Owens said about the hypocrisies of the voting process, spot on. Things I've argued for years. Terrell Owens was a first ballot Hall of Famer. If you don't think so and you're a voter, you shouldn't vote. But he had to wait because the press didn't like him. And they used the fact that he could be a Hall of Fame pain in the neck against him. 
This is Chris Thompson. Terrell Owens is right to feel insulted from Deadspin. Some number of asshole NFL writers who knew Owens belonged in the Hall of Fame a few years ago withheld their votes in order to send a message about his character and downgrade his inclusion. But that's not how it's supposed to work. Now that Terrell Owens is in the Hall of Fame, he's a Hall of Famer, which now that it's done seems like the most obvious thing in the world. He was one of the very greatest receivers in the history of the sport. He played a playoff game on a broken leg. He is as obvious a Hall of Famer as anyone in the damn Hall of Fame. It's insulting, and it was meant to be an insult. When you think of selectors arbitrarily changing the rules of a process in order to exclude someone whose accomplishments very obviously warrant inclusion, probably integrity is nowhere near the list of words that come to mind. This is Chris Canty, a Dallas Cowboy teammate, during T.O.'s three years with America's team. And so when I go back to our time as teammates in Dallas, I look at him and what type of teammate he was. And he was proactive about trying to be a good teammate, trying to have a good influence, especially on the young players. And he would challenge guys to work as hard as he did. He has a legendary work ethic. Of course, he learned that from Jerry Rice. Mm -hmm. So I I understand how at some of the other places he might have been polarizing, but when he was with the Dallas Cowboys, he was one of the most productive players that we had on that team, and he tried to do everything that he could to be a positive influence on that team with especially the young players. I look at the Pro Football Hall of Fame as a museum chronicling excellence in pro football. And in the end, that's all it is, is just a museum. So the ultimate me guy did something unprecedented and made it all about him. Except for towards the end, or the, I should say, the very end of his acceptance speech over the weekend at the University of Tennessee of Chattanooga, the ultimate me guy made it about everybody else. What I'm about to do next is a little unconventional, but hey, what's new? I'm going to ask that you stand if this applies to you, and I want you to remain standing. If you've ever felt like a, like an outcast, this is for you. If you've ever felt isolated to everyone that has felt like giving up, who feels or felt overlooked, to everyone from small cities with big dreams, to everyone who has been bullied, if you're standing up, don't be afraid to be you. I celebrate and I empower you today. We have more commonalities than differences. This entire speech you thought was about me, Chattanooga, this is for you. And that about sums it up. That's all I need to hear. That's all I need to hear. He may have done all that as a way to make it even more about him. He might have. I don't know. I'm not in his brain. But I, as a guy who continuously screams out loud, be yourself. Stop being like everybody else. And don't worry about what other people think about you and think that, oh, that guy's weird or that guy's, you know, he, what, what's up with that dude? I, you know, feeling isolated, all those things he just said. Everybody goes through that. That was a really, really, really powerfully awesome way to wrap up that that speech on Saturday afternoon and it made it to, for me everything that could have looked petty and everything that could have seemed to be fake or disingenuous from a guy who really does you know said at the beginning of the speech you know he said this love you too but I love me more now a lot of times it is part of the shtick and part of the whole the whole package but to, to wrap it up like that, to me, was I felt it was as genuine as it could be. I love the man. I am so happy that I went. I'm so happy that I got the autograph poster. It was a thrill of a lifetime um, that I'll never forget. So that was pretty damn cool. And I don't care what anybody else thinks. You can hate it. You can love it. You can think it's the dumbest. You can think it's the best. Doesn't mean a damn thing to me. All I know is it meant a lot to me, and I think it meant a lot to people here in the city of Chattanooga and NFL fans from those cities, Cincinnati, Philadelphia, uh, Dallas, uh, San Francisco, and Buffalo that were big fans of one of the greatest players in the history 
of the game. 317 people are in the Hall of Fame. He is the 317th member of that incredibly exclusive club. All right, I am going to call it a day. I appreciate you guys finding the show each and every week. And I talked about it at the front end, said I would talk about it at the end in case you didn't care and wanted to bail out and didn't want to have to listen to it. I went Monday, or it'll be Sunday night at midnight, to meaning Monday morning midnight, till Friday midnight, meaning Saturday, so five full days, and stayed sober and didn't drink that entire stretch last week. It was one of the most difficult things I've ever done in my life. I got incredibly ill. It was a... Uh, it was a measuring stick. I, it was on a whim. I don't know why I did it exactly, except for a couple of days after a long night of week, a long weekend of drinking in Nashville, especially the first day back on a Monday. I was like, ugh, you know, kill me. And on Tuesday, I'm still pretty tired. I won't drink today either. I'm not going to drink on Wednesday either. And I'm not going to drink on Thursday either. And I'm going to make it all the way through Friday and not drink. And I want to thank my friend Michelle, who I was texting with, who I haven't seen in years. And we've stayed in contact over the years. And she was giving me some encouragement. She stopped drinking, uh, too. And I, I was like, I'm going to make it these five days. I didn't sleep well. I didn't feel well. By the end of the week, I was really, really, really in bad shape. And what, what it means going forward, I'm not real sure. But it was a great measuring stick to figure out <laughs> where I'm at in life in this situation. And I needed that. I need a reality check. I needed to understand where I'm at as I try to make drastic changes in my life between now and you know into my 40s. I've talked about it vaguely. I know I'm very cryptic and vague on a lot of this stuff. And then I, I don't know what the next step is. Um, I had a couple of drinks recording the show tonight. Um, I'm going to continue to drink. I'm going to try to slow it down and back it down a little bit as I go along. I've already you know I've been thinking about that, those kinds of things. But I was really proud of that accomplishment. It's like, oh, wow, you went five days without drinking. Well, good for you. Pat yourself on the back, bro. I mean, I, I get that. But it was, uh, it was a very good measuring stick to figure out what I'm up against and what I need to deal with going through uh, the, rest of my, you know, the rest of my life, frankly. I got to figure some things out, and I'm really, really happy that I now have a better understanding of what that situation is. And the good news is, outside of that, you know, I, I, most everything else is pretty damn good, right? Money's coming in. The checks are clearing. Uh, work is, 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 is plentiful. Life is vibrant. Lots of fun stuff going on. I'm not trying to be Debbie Downer or drag everybody into this, uh, you know, in this world of, of doom and gloom. But every now and again, there are a few things you need to realize. Oh, yeah, this isn't normal. I need to try to get this under control. But, yeah, five days in a row, 120 hours without a drink, completely sober. I have never done that once in my entire adult life. All right, I got to go. Y'all have a great one. We'll do it again on, what's the next Wednesday? August, da, 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 da. come on, calendar, on the 15th, halfway through the month. We'll talk to you then. See you later. Bye. Who's the man? Who's the man?